Okay, with Nell Dashiell of GPS is the short film play at the Romance and Relationships Film Festival. She's the writer. She is the director. This is a, kind of a robbery comedy, I guess, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Comedy. So interesting film. I want to go back. So you you were you were talking about in your in your bio that you wrote. When did you first write the screenplay? Oh boy, years ago, uh, about two years before the pandemic, whatever date that was. Uh, First, yeah, about 2018, I first yeah. wrote it. Yeah. Do you remember where you like where, where you were, like what, what, what the situation uh, was, like why you well, had to this? Funnily enough, I do. I remember exactly where I was. I was at a theater. I was at the Coolidge, the Great Coolidge Theater in Massachusetts, watching a program of shorts with my husband. This was shortly after, you know, around uh, Academy Award time. And they had package programs of shorts playing as features. So we were at one. I was enjoying them and trying to figure out what I liked about some and what I disliked about others and what made a good short and how they failed. Yeah. And, you know, just sort of on back burner thinking all of these things. And suddenly, after seeing one that I really liked, which I will describe, I could describe to you, but it it isn't anything like GPS. But it was a reversal of expectations was was kind of the theme of it and and i liked it very much and i was thinking gee i i wouldn't mind doing something like that and suddenly this just came to me i don't know how it did i just saw it whole and i turned to my husband during the little interim between shorts when they were finishing one and setting up the next i said what do you think of a short where and i just in a couple sentences described what happens in gps and he said oh that's that's good i like that one i thought well gee it's whole in my mind. All I have to do is sit down with a yellow pad and write it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a chance to write then. A uh, day job kind of surged. The waters covered my face. And I didn't get to do it until uh, the next year when we were at Sundance. And I was in the filmmaker's lodge and I had a little free time. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, I could sit down and write that short. And so I did. I just You're sat down at a little table and wrote it out. So you're at Sundance, you're in the lodge, and you just kind of wrote it out while you're yeah. attending, attending. on a yellow pad. And, and this I, is, it, it was unfinished. I had the last scene to do. So I did that once again with with a great uh, interim period of months. Uh, I had some time in an afternoon. Like, like here. a yellow pad, like I'm just holding up a yellow pad. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, I always write that, on yellow pads, yeah. Oh, good. I yeah. trust people who That's use, a law uh, thing, right? That, you're, I know is. you're a lawyer. That's a, the I am a lawyer, that, right? And I've, it's one thing I've never given up from my days of practicing law. Yeah. Everything I do that isn't in my mind is on a yellow pad. I handwrite everything. I, I can't write on a screen. I can edit on a screen. But I, some, I just can't reason, write I, on I find screen. it's more therapeutic to write on yellow. I don't know why. It, that really, is. it really is. It's just it welcomes me. I mean, I see it there and think, oh, time to put down some good idea or a bad one but you know it's a very welcoming sight a yellow pad and a blue so you, you know roller pen you never drew it so this is your first time you directed a film correct yes it, it is it is uh, out loud i've done it in my mind two billion times but uh you know redirecting other people's but and i've directed a lot of things redirecting other play, plays or yeah 
plays or informal plays, you know, games, things like that. I've, I have direct, uh, yeah, I'm bossy is what I'm trying to say. I've been a director a long time. I have six kids, so it comes naturally, but this is my first film. Yeah. And I'm very excited about that, that. Okay. So you're, you, you're, you, you practice law, you did some journalism, you have six kids uh so do you like you're not like a one would assume after doing all that you're not in your 20s let's let's say I don't oh wanna... let's let's put it right out there matt i'm uh almost 78 you're i'm almost 70, 78 i'm 77 until may until so may. <laughs> yes and un, unabashed about that do i wish i had started directing out loud i mean in the real world earlier yeah i do except i like everything i've done i'm i I would, I've thought about this often. What would I take back? You know, if I could live again, what would I do? Like, yeah, I'd like to start directing. When I first started in my mind and heart, which was when I was 14 years old. And the, the big question is, why didn't I ever turn toward this professionally? And the answer is because there was always something standing in front of it that looked more like I had to do it or it was right there and I ought to take it up and do it or I needed to make money right away. I do have six kids, you know, uh, but yeah, I wish I could live parallel life. If I could live parallel lives in one of them, believe me, I would start trying to aim myself toward directing when I was 14. I'd be in, the, you know, like Steven Spielberg, yeah. <laughs> I'd start young. But it, like, this, so, is a gen this is a generalization, but you're a baby boomer. You're born. I am. It's a different generation. It's a different, there's different values, I guess, right? So like, it's really, it's really true. Yeah. And uh, my, one of my kids, two of my kids, when they were little, used to describe me by saying, mom's from the 60s. And I would say, no, I'm from Baltimore. I grew up during the 60s. There's a difference. You don't use from for that. And as the years have gone by, I've realized, well, dang it, they were right. I'm from the 60s. We all are. The, the people my age are all in some way from the 60s. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting. So, OK, so what do your children think of the of you making your first film? And they're yeah. thrilled. Every one of them is absolutely delighted. Some of them wonder why it took me this long. But I, you're raising six kids. I have two kids. I can barely handle you <laughs> raising six kids. I don't like that's crazy. Yeah, it, so you're busy. It, right. I was busy. <laughs> yeah. The, so, okay. I had to, no, I was just saying I had to pass by. The yellow pad would be sitting there and I'd put it away. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of people probably where you're in your situation probably have that kind of like that blocked kind of creative or that that shadow create creative person. Yeah. Most people never do anything with it. They 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 basically live their years and they have a pretty good life probably. And then they they just never really touched on what you touch. So I'm always curious because you because you basically I was trying to get to the seed of it because you're because you said you went to Sundance. So obviously there's something yeah. that you're interested in filmmaking. You're interested oh, yeah. in storytelling. Always. And I can tell you, I can sort of address this conundrum because I've thought about this endlessly. I know once again exactly where I was standing. If we were in Park City, I could take you there and draw a little chalk circle where I was standing at the first Sundance I went to. My husband and I went there on our honeymoon in 2007 and uh, it was just the biggest thing on my list of things I hadn't done yet that I really, really wanted to do was go to Sundance. So he took me there. 
And it was toward the end of our stay there when I was overwhelmed, and I really mean overwhelmed with this feeling that I couldn't do this again or ever anymore from the outside, that it was just, I felt phony. I felt like, like, you know, just, what's the word, a poser, I guess, enjoying movies the way I did. And it went beyond enjoyment. And I realized I've got to be in this. I've got to do this from the inside. I've got to get into this profession somehow, some way, not now, because right then I had five kids, all of whom were heading toward teenage at the time, and two dogs at home, aside from my husband and me and my day job. So I didn't kid myself I could start right then, but I started with a lot of ideas right then. And in fact, the film I'm working on now is one of the ideas I first had right then of I'd like to do a film about. I've got a list of those in my mind. GPS wasn't one of them. I told you how that came to me. Yeah. But the, the one I'm working on right now was one of those 2007 ideas that was on the storeroom shelf. That's amazing. But it was just this feeling that I would be such an imposter against myself, if that makes any sense. Yeah. If I just kept going to movies and directing them in my mind and writing them in the bathtub and not doing it. Yeah. I just wanted to be inside it's the, the film leap. industry. But the biggest thing is though, because I think that what you're talking about is is a very common emotion. Because we've got to be honest, we're we're kind of lucky we live in the Western world. We got I'm some, very lucky. And so we these are good problems to have, but basically there's yes. problems to have. So you're you're making a leap like from that initial kind of idea that you want to do something, and then the leap of actually doing it and then overcoming your fears overcoming your insecurities doesn't matter how old you are you have them and so what so you came up with this idea you wrote the script so what was the lead to like i'm going to make this into a film you're going to laugh but i think this is the most honest answer matt i didn't think i just went okay. i just did if i had thought about it i think i would have thought about all the things you're saying yeah. problems barriers reasons i shouldn't i didn't think at all i just did it I just assumed I could. I did, as I say, the one barrier I thought about was the not now thing. You know, there was no way to to write while I was doing all these other things. I mean, I could write, but I couldn't take the writing anywhere. Hmm. And so the, also, well, I was just going to say the, the logistics, though. So you're like, okay, yeah. I'm going to produce this film. So like you have some money, you have to look at like, what's the, the first step for you is finding a producer, finding the yes. cast. That was it. My first step. And it was wonderful. I had had started a wonderful work relationship with my current producer, the ever fabulous Andre Puka, who himself has had, has produced full length features written and produced them and acted in them and teaches full-time in the Emerson College Film School. And through, funnily enough, the Coolidge Theater, the place where I first thought of GPS, uh, they started to, to kind of expand their presence in the community. They started giving seminars and they gave this five week, you know, once a week for three hours, five week seminar on the early works of Alfred Hitchcock. And since it was at night, my husband and I could do this together. And I mean, God, Hitchcock, who could resist? 
So we signed up for this, which turned out to be fabulous. And right off the bat, the first the first session, the professor just wowed me. I have, as you noticed, being of a certain age, I've been to a lot of graduate school too. I've got a lot of degrees. And so I've had a lot of teachers over the course of my life. (laughs) And I've loved some of them. And I've learned from some of them. Andre immediately zoomed right to like the top three of my lifetime, which meant something. He can get more information into a shorter period of time, more entertainingly than I think any teacher I have ever known. And I thought, I've got to know this guy. I've got to learn from him. Well, I didn't want to go to film school. I don't want yet another degree. Yeah. And, and I didn't think I had to. I, I didn't think it was necessary. No. But I did want to take more. I didn't want this to end in five weeks when Hitchcock ended. So I approached him after one of these, the sessions and asked him if I could if we could work out some kind of arrangement, I was willing to pay for a private course. I live near Emerson. And I was thinking if, if I couldn't audit, maybe he could just teach me outside and, and earn a little extra money and I could do one of his courses. And it turned out long range that you can't audit at Emerson. Hint, hint, Emerson, if you're listening, get an auditing program. Everybody else has them. Yeah. But That year, Andre thought I could. So I audited one of his courses, which was fantastic. And we got in the habit of talking for like an hour after each class. And then one of us would walk the other to our train stop or near home, whichever was more pressing at the moment. That night, he was walking me toward my home and at the top of the steps into Boston Common. And I had shown him GPS at that point. He just turned to me, it was the week before Thanksgiving, and said, you know, I could produce that if you would want me to. I said, oh, God, want me to? That's like saying, you know, I'll give you a MacArthur if you'd like to have one. And I couldn't believe he had said this. I I just couldn't believe it. And that was the beginning. I said, yes, absolutely. And we started working on it. We put together, we had this great cast put together. We had the tech people. And I had enough. uh, I mean, I was getting freebies right and left. I I couldn't have done this if I didn't have actors who were willing to work for nothing. Yeah. And a a producer who could get stuff through Emerson for free. Gotcha. uh, You know, I could not have done this because I self-financed GPS and I can never do that again. But uh, we had the cast, the crew, and we even had the date. And I remember it because it was my it's my grandson, my oldest grandson's birthday is May 4th. And that was Andre's last exam day. And after that, he would be free to go full steam ahead and do GPS. So May 4th, 2020 was our date mm. to do this. We all remember what the country was like by May 4th, 2020. Yeah. I sat there over the winter and watched as you know first i thought this will kick gps further back into the summer i hope we can still do it some of the cast will be leaving bit by bit it eroded by the time may came i wondered why i had ever dreamed of it and we couldn't touch it again for two years there were people couldn't get together there was we couldn't use the emerson equipment which delayed us another year because when the movie was done uh when when it was in the can, we couldn't edit it. Andre and I edited it together. And uh, we couldn't do it if we couldn't use the Emerson lab. And I couldn't use the Emerson lab because I was an outsider and all outsiders were barred 
in the third you know there's editing equipment you can put on your computer right that's relatively cheap uh relatively is a very touchy word right here andre had editing stuff on his computer but it wasn't up to date enough he wanted to use a new program okay that the that the university provided but uh and yeah my my diet you know, my undying respect for editors. I, I just want to shout out to all of them right now. The editing was absolutely without any question, 10 times over the hardest part. You're, re- you're remaking, to- you're re- rewriting the film. That's basically yeah. the magic happens, right? I mean, really. And it didn't change that much in editing. I look back and wonder why did it take so long? Why was it you so hard? But it was. Yeah. And I mean, it just took a lot. The, the technology makes it easy to do on the last stage of what you're doing. But leading up to it, I, I actually think it would have been easier in the days when you were cutting actual film clips. I think no. I could have done that faster. I'm a bridge person. This. I'm a bridge person. Really? I, I went to school learning that. Ah. And, and it's, it's better now. Then my admiration goes out to you <laughs> over and over. As I yeah. say, editors are my heroes. Yeah. So, okay, I'm our, so I'm curious about the other. So you got Andre's one of your cast members. What about the the couple? Where did you find the other two cast members? Okay, here's where I found them. Andre, my producer, plays Rob the robber. Yeah. And it's a coincidence that his name mm-hmm. is Rob. That wasn't a cutesy thing where I named him that because he was robbing. Uh, I actually, the as I wrote GPS, the character I was envisioning had a lot of the body language of Dick Van Dyke in the old dick van dyke show so i named the character rob after rob petrie yeah. in the in the old dick van nobody dyke show. nobody under no, nobody will ever know that yeah. ever and and then i realized at some point oh my god his name is rob and he's a robber gag but it was too late because he was already rob the fabulous That's actor who plays jamie is an actual real professional actor and an extremely talented one Damon Scranton, whom I had met my husband and I met him through online trivia, which we played nonstop through the pandemic. And so we were able to play with Damon, even though he lives in California. We got to know him through that. And the original Jamie that I had from my first cast, I had hoped would be able to do it and he couldn't. Things had just happened in his life, all good things, but yeah. since we first cast this and he just didn't have time to do it. So in casting about, no pun intended, I sent out a call to our trivia teams. We were on three of them at that point saying, anybody interested in acting for free in a, in a short movie written by one of your compatriots here. And Damon, I I said to my husband, Greg, uh, watch Damon, Damon's going to reply to this. He's one of these I can do everything guys. He's he's going to reply. He was the first one to yeah. reply and say, I'll do it if you'll send me the train fare. He was going to be in New York during the time we were filming. He said, I'll be on the East Coast. If you send me the train fare to Boston, I'll do this. And that was the beginning of a wonderful relationship. Uh, we were so lucky to have him. Audrey also remarkably talented. The lady who plays Kim is our second oldest daughter. Oh, gotcha. And she has acted, she's a lawyer and living in New York and hadn't acted for 
quite a few years, but we thought she might enjoy trying it again. And so we just asked her on one phone call, you feel like doing a short acting thing? You want to be in this movie? Yeah. And she said, oh, sure. So that's how, and Andre, as I say, played Rob. My producer plays Rob. He hadn't acted in a while and was eager to get his hand back in. And it, it just all worked out. Now I can't imagine anybody else. I think back to the first cast. Yeah, they would have been great, except not as yeah. great as the one we had. I, I'm thrilled with the cast. Well, your daughter's and, got some, got her daughter's has some, uh, some screen presence. So maybe. Yeah, she really does. She's, uh, I take no credit for this. I mean, she does. And she's yeah. a wonderful singer stuff i doubt that i will be able to get her to act in my next movie but uh other than audrey who just might not be able to or want to do it uh i'm hoping for anything i do from now on to get the same cast and crew back together and in fact the thing i'm working on right now is a documentary and so cast is not a word that comes into it but i've already got and this was a big celebrative day about 10 days ago uh where I just had to jump around saying, wahoo, we've got the original crew back together. They're all eager to do this next project, which hopefully we'll be filming this summer. Well, great. So you you did it. So the documentary is already shot. You're just working. No, no, we're hoping to shoot it this summer. The documentary shooting this summer. Yeah. And what's the documentary? Yeah. It's a, is, is it it's a, a short documentary? No, full length documentary. So you're moving and to the future world. Oh, yeah. That was always the idea. Yeah. That was always the goal. Yeah. I just saw if I did a short first, I could get it out there. Yeah. You know, waiting was becoming the bugaboo of this whole thing. I didn't want any more postponements. I wanted to be able to do something as fast as I could while keeping the quality high. I didn't yeah. want to stint on anything important. But uh, it seemed sane since I had the whole idea, since it was already written, since it was there, uh, to do the short first. But this doc, what this documentary is on, and if if you turn out to be someone who has ideas on this, uh, let's talk later about an interview. Is it's about why people go to Graceland? What keeps people going back? I've never to been the so I'm ancestral wrong. home of of a singer who died how many years ago? Yeah. Who, no matter how important in our culture, is a singer who died how many years ago? And the hordes keep coming. And his I daughter started, just his daughter just passed away, so it's kind of yes. a film, I guess. Yes, unfortunately, and yeah. un very unfortunately, and I'm happy to be able to tell you my first thought when I heard of her death the other day was, oh, how tragic! She was so young, and that's really tragic. And it was only my second thought: what's this going to do to my, you know, yeah. who owns Graceland now? The answer is her kids do. Primarily, I, her oldest daughter, the actress Riley Keough. Yeah, and. I don't think that's going to stand in my way. I had permission from the powers that be at Graceland to do filming on the outside, on the periphery, to stand there with a camera and interview mm -hmm. people as long as it was, you know, not inside the premises without any further permissions. And I plan to use a lot of their stock footage for the inside because this isn't about Graceland itself and it isn't about Elvis, although they're major players sure. in it. It's about why people do this what it means to people to go to graceland yeah so i'm looking for people who either have been or have always wanted to go yeah i, I remember reading like a g uh, uh it was either vanity fair or one of those magazines about the history of graceland and after he died 
his uh, Lisa Marie basically like it was in bankruptcy, right? They it was of, it was yes. They had to get yes. out of bankruptcy, and she she cut. They just market. They started marketing the the thing Graceland right. for Elvis Museum, and then like it became this huge thing more than they imagined. But it really was kind of a lark that they got got it going because they were in so much trouble. Right. For some, yeah. For some reason, they got out of the bankruptcy. They got out of there, and they kind of rehabilitated it. And then all of a sudden, Elvis, you know, he's Music, music stands the test of time, right? Like, they, oh, it sure does. Yeah. It more than stands it. I think it's coming into, yeah. You know, my personal thought is it's coming into a huge resurgence. The whole concept of movie, Elvis, right? because he was, aside from being, I think, a very talented singer, and bypassing all the, you know, pelvis stuff, which was a rage. And remember, I grew up with this. Yeah. I mean, when I was coming of age, the tension in pop culture was, are you an Elvis person or a Pat Boone person? Now it's a Beatles person, right? Are you an Elvis person or a Beatles person? I'm an everything person, personally. (laughs) I don't quit. I I claim it all. And I look back and see that Elvis, and I think this is beginning to get a lot of critical attention, was such a critical bridge, not just in American music, but in American culture, that he actually was the bridge between black music and white music when there used to be those segregated things. Yeah. Elvis crosses that. He unites it. And people bought it because it was Elvis. Whereas if, say, civil rights leaders or someone tried to say we ought to be doing this, they wouldn't have come the same way. Elvis just kind of, you know, with a velvet lure, lured people in. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's... That's what I'm working on now. That's I know you got to go, and your 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 producer in charge. I just want to ask you one last question. He's, oh sure. Your, uh, your husband, I'm assuming you're. Yeah, he is my business manager, and location scout, and many other very important things. I just want to ask being, you one last question before because you know, I know he wants you to go. Is uh, yes. What did you think about the audience? Uh, our audience, the audience. Oh, sent you? let me count the ways I love that. Thank you for that. It meant so much to me. I'm going to confess to you, I cried when I was first listening to the audience reaction to the, of G, to GPS. And the intelligent things people were saying that showed me, they actually watched this and thought about it. You know, it's nice to hear someone say, oh, yeah, I loved it. You know, who's going to fight that? But it doesn't tell you anything. Your folks told us things. And thank you. The other festivals don't necessarily do this. And it distinguishes you in many meanings of the word distinguished. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So yeah, they, your film, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. And like, I, my first action was like, reaction was, this is an interesting film from like a young filmmaker's perspective. <laughs> thank you very yeah. much for the no, sentiment. That was my first thing, because I see a lot of I'll films, take right? it. And it was just like, yeah. oh, I, I can see what they're doing here, young couple. And then, so yeah. not that age matters, it's just that I, I found it. I, I my eyebrows rose up when I when I found out your <laughs> who backstory. really did it. I went to your website and I found your web backstory. I'm like, oh wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to her. So, oh, thank you. I hope I hope it's been as much fun for you as it has been for me, or at least some of us. I wouldn't. Admit, I, I wouldn't. I, almost two minutes over now, so I think your husband's going to be really. Yeah, mad. I gotta go. The hook is coming. Say good night, Gracie. Good night, right. Gracie. Thank you so much. Have a good night. <laughs> thank you. One, two, three, four, five.